Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, now upon the first day of the week, and according to Jewish uh, calendar, the first day of the week is Sunday. So it was a Sunday, very early in the morning. They came into the sepulcher. There was a group of ladies that walked down on that third that third day, that Sunday morning, very early in the morning, they came down to where Jesus had been bodily, in, informed bodily in that tomb. They came with a purpose. The Bible says they were bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away, which was a big, big no-no because it had been placed there and it had been sealed with a government seal. Somebody was going to be in trouble. They did not want Jesus' body to be removed, and so they did everything possible to put this man, Jesus, and his followers and what they were doing to an end. They were going to prove that he was not the Messiah. The ladies found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and so they went in and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus, And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, the men said to them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. I just want to speak to you on the subject that I've titled this morning, You Won't Find the Living Among the Dead. Some folks have walked in here searching for something, but you're looking in the wrong place. And I hope that by the end of this sermon, you'll find what you're looking for before you leave. Amen. Would you one more time put your hands together and let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, he's worthy, is he not? He's a worthy God. He's a worthy God. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated today. Today, of course, is a very special day for all of us, and uh, I, I've seen people in uh, ties and suit jackets today that I don't know if I've ever seen in ties or suit jackets before. Uh, we, we, we dress up, and we honor this day, uh, and we celebrate it because it is one of the most celebrated days in all of Christendom, called Easter. Even though the name Easter itself is Originally not symbolic of the resurrection of Christ, but it has its roots in pagan history. And don't worry, I'm not here to, to, to bash, you know, celebration celebration of Easter. Just, just hang with me here just a little bit. I, I do want to give you a little bit of, of background, though, on, on how this originally began. The word Easter is derived from, um, from an Anglo-Saxon word and a goddess that they used to serve and uh, worship. And, and there's also some historical connection existing between the words Easter and uh, the direction east where the sun comes up in the morning. Now, I would just say this. If you'll, if you'll listen to me here right now, I, I want to explain this to you. I have seen, as I believe probably most of us have, something that was intended for good be put in the hands of someone that was evil, and they took what was good and turned it into a device of evil. You see, the same baseball bat that a high school kid out on a 
field of dreams can crack a home run with. Put in the hands of an evil man can become a, a device of destruction, can it not? We've seen a lot of good things that, that God has put on this earth fall prey to the sin that has overwhelmed the earth and been turned into something that is evil. So forgive me today if I'm not going to take something that was meant for evil and celebrate something that God has turned into something that is good by celebrating Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. There are some that get all bent out of shape over those things, but the Scripture tells us Colossians chapter 2, 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holiday or holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. So if we choose Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, in essence, what we are doing is taking something that Pagan false religion has set up to be a holy day for them, and we have turned it into something that God can draw men and women and lost souls into the kingdom of God. We have taken something that was meant for evil and turned it into something that God can use for good. While we do that, we remember and we celebrate. We celebrate because we are in a living situation. We're not amongst the dead anymore. Those of you that have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, amen, you know what it means to have a resurrected life. You know what it means to once be lost, but now you are found. You know that feeling, that inexplainable feeling of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance, and, and for the very first time, His Spirit not just dwells upon you, but it comes and lives inside of you. We understand what it means to come up out of a graveyard, to come up out of a dead place and find ourselves back again amongst the living, not just living physically, but spiritually having a life. We find that the scripture tells us that there's some women that went down to the sepulcher of Christ, down to the, to the tomb, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and some others that were with them, probably to mourn the passing of the Savior. Instead, they find two angelic beings shining like bolts of lightning. And they get into conversation. They find instruction and direction from these two angelic beings. And they, they simply ask them the question, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Now, I've visited a lot, of, a, a lot of graveyards over my lifetime. I've preached a lot of funerals. I've stood and I've walked through graveyards. My father, he used to, he said, when he would get all out of whack and things would begin to, to, to overwhelm him a lot of time. Now, I don't know, this is, this, you may feel this is weird, but this was therapy for him. He would drive out to a cemetery and he would just walk through the cemetery and he'd look at all the people, some that he knew and some that were strangers and see the birth dates and the death dates on the tombstones and it would just help him 
realize that, you know what? This is where we're all going to wind up one of these days. Nobody's going to escape from this. And it would just help recalibrate him and put things into perspective for where he was at in his life. But not a single time did I ever hear my father come home and say, you know what? I was walking out through the graveyard today, just walking amongst the dead. And all of a sudden, a hand shot up out of the earth and began to climb out. Now, that would freak me out. I mean, call me a sissy if you want to, but I think most of us in this place would run out screaming like a little girl if we can walked into a, a graveyard and the graveyard started opening up and people got up and began to walk out. We don't go to the tombs looking for the living. We go there to visit the dead. They were looking among the dead for the Savior, but they weren't going to find the Savior among the dead. They were going there with the expectation of a tomb not being empty, but when they got there, they had the shock of a lifetime because the stone had been rolled away and there were two messengers there for people with questions. And they simply looked at the ladies and they said, ladies, you're looking in the wrong place. If you've come here, you come here expecting somebody that's dead, but your Savior is not here. And the reason that he's not here is he's not dead any longer. Oh, he was dead on Friday. He was dead on Saturday. But this is the third day. This is Sunday. And he has arisen. He is not here. So why are you here looking for the living amongst the dead. This is the lesson that we in Christianity should all take to heart. We need to learn this in our Christian experiences as individuals and we need to promote this in our churches. People aren't going to find a living Savior in a dead church. I know, I know, we're supposed to be prim and proper. The pastor's supposed to sit up there. He's not supposed to go up here waving his hands. He's not supposed to do these things. You know, in a proper church, the pastor would come up and he would look all nice in his robe and he would have a nice deep voice and he would have an oratory skill that's beyond our way of thinking. He would lay out a nice little three-point sermon for everybody, but in a church that is alive, you get just a little bit more than you might have bargained for because the pastor comes and he's not living in a dead church. I'm not living amongst the tombs because I serve a risen Savior. If you've come here looking for the dead, you've come to the wrong place because you cannot search for the living amongst the dead. Revelations 3, 1 and 2 Talks about a situation involving the living and the dead. It says, and under the angel of the church in Sardis, write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. This is what he told them to write. He said, I know thy works. He's talking to the church. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that they are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Now let me just break that down in case in case the King James Version is, is not really resonating with our 21st century vocabulary today. Basically what the Lord was writing to this church, 
He was saying this, you're not what you claim to be. You've got a name above your board. You've got a name over your door. You invite people in. And at the end of the day, they go home, but they go home the same way that they came. You claim to be one thing, but you're not living up to what you claim to be. You're not who you say you are. I know who you really are. Where did they get that name from? Well, it's, it, it's real easy because I see a lot of, a, a lot of places that, that will invite you in. Oh, you got to come here. Our choir, our choir, man, they're pitch perfect. Our choir leader can direct a choir like nobody else, and, and they don't miss a beat, and, and the music is phenomenal. You ought to hear our praise band, and we got smoke and lights and, and all these different things, and, and we, if we're not careful, we'll try to trade in the Spirit of God for an entertainment venue, but you're not going to find a living God amongst a place that has traded in the Spirit for something besides the Spirit. I know it's not the Easter message you were expecting. But it's the truth. We're living in a, in a dark day. The darkness of death of sin is all around us. If the world is going to have a chance at all, it's going to need to look for the living amongst the living, not amongst the dead. I've come here today not to bring you into a pretty little ceremonial type service, but I've come here today to try to help somebody understand that you have just walked into a place that is thriving and moving, and yes, we have standards, and yes, there are things that we believe in that the world may not understand, but you have walked into a church building where there is life because God is in this place, not because of great music. That just promotes his spirit, not just because of great singing. That just promotes the atmosphere, but we are here and we are alive. So you've come to the right place today if you're looking for life. If you're looking for life. Just drawing a crowd doesn't mean that God is in it. Talent won't re replace prayer. Fog lights won't replace anointing, but somewhere along the the way people that don't know that, people that have never felt that, they buy into it. Why? Because it touches and taps into an emotion. Well, so does ungodly music. It can tap into your emotion as well. Does that mean that it's a godly thing? No, we are emotional beings. God uh, arranged us and designed us to be uh, ha have emotion, and those emotions, those strings can be plucked by so many different things, not all good. We can be drawn into areas that we don't need to be. So he looked at them and he said, why? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Just because man has given something a reputation, because man calls something alive doesn't mean that God views it in the same way. The church in Sardis was saying, come on down. We're friendly. We got coffee and donuts. Nothing wrong with those things. I'm not here bashing churches that serve coffee and donuts. Come out Mother's Day and Father's Day, and we'll be out here serving you coffee and donuts. It's just not we depend, uh, uh, that we depend on those things. Those 
Okay, I'm going to be real honest here. Those are just a lure that we throw out for those that wake up hungry. And we hope that you come have a donut, but then we hope that you stay and you get your spiritual man fed a little bit too. Too honest this morning? And we'll do anything, but I know this much. I know this much. When you serve food, you draw a crowd. So how do we know the difference? How do I know? if You know, it, I've thought about this so often. If I were just a guy off the street and I had not been raised a certain way and I had not been raised in a family that loved Jesus, uh, but that, there came a time when I had to make the decision for myself. I mean, I could have walked off. I could have done different things. But why did I stay? Why, but how intimidating would that be for somebody that's never had a parent talk to them about Jesus? They don't know the, the Bible stories. They don't know the little songs that, that our children sing. They have no clue. And so you walk in and you realize that you have a spiritual void in your life, but you don't know where to go. There's, there's 27 churches in this town, and I'm not bashing a single one of them today. I'm not here to do that. That's not right. That's not correct at all. Many of them are wonderful, and they're awesome, but not all of them have life in them. So how do you know the difference? Well, you go to the Scriptures, and you look for some examples. Ephesians chapter 2, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Hello, that's you. You look sharp, man. You got your act together. These guys dress up and make me look pitiful over here. I told Christian this morning, I said, nobody looks better in a suit and tie than Christian Anglin and Dick Van Dyke. I mean, <laughs> and they can pull it off and, and just, Man, it's, I just like, I put it on, I, I can go, I'm going to look like him, and I put it on, and I told him, I said, I took a picture uh, at IYC, and I said, I don't know if it's a way of standing, I've lost about seven or eight pounds, and I looked at that picture, and I said, you look frumpy and dumpy, what's wrong with you? I just can't take a good picture. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Hear me. Hear me. You walked according to what the world told you to do. What the world said would fix you. What the world said, this is your answer. What the world said, try this. You'll like it. What the world deemed as being proper and right and putting you in a right direction. You walked that way, but you found yourself still walking as a living dead man. It didn't work. That's because it was according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. Paul is, is writing, he's saying, you know what? We're not so different, you and I. Oh, yeah, I know you're strung out on this, and you've got problems with that, and your life has fallen apart, and you've got this issue, and you've got that issue. But look at me, friend. I want you to know I wasn't too far away from where you were, and I was walking in much the same path that you were walking in, but no more. I once was lost, but now I have been found. I once was 
dead in my trespasses and sin, but the Holy Ghost came and quickened me and brought me out of that mess. We also all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So how do you know you're among the dead? The dead follow the course that the world sets for them. The dead follow the course that society sticks you in and pigeonholes you into. Oh, you're just another statistic to the world. But you start walking against the crowd a little bit. And I'm telling you, I'm just warning you right now, if you're going to serve Jesus the way that he commands us to serve him, you're not going to be with the crowd. You're going to walk against, you're going to have some resistance. There's going to be some things that are in your way, but don't give up. You just keep on pressing forward. You just keep on moving in the direction that Jesus Christ causes you. As a matter of fact, if the more resistance that you feel against you, the closer you're probably getting to the end of the game that God wants to call you to. How do you know you're living among the dead? Listen to the conversation that those that are around you are having. Look at what they're doing to try to fulfill the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind. The dead don't mind in walking in trespasses and sin. As a matter of fact, they enjoy it. And the Bible tells us that there is, there is some joy. There's, there's some, you're going to find some joy in doing sinful things, but it's short-lived. It's only for a season. I wonder how many out there today that if they look back and they saw what that choice was going to create and the havoc it was going to bring in their life, if they would choose differently. But at the moment, it seemed like the thing to do because the pressure was there. At the moment, it seemed like the thing to do because uh, the, the people that were around you were saying, man, I tried it, and I loved it. I tried it, and, I, I, and, and it made me feel good. I tried it, and it made me happy. But what you don't see is a little ways down the road, the effects of sin is devastating on a life. The graveyard is a graveyard of sin. But the Lord has called his people out of the graveyard, out of death. You hath he quickened who, what, were dead. You were dead, but you've been resurrected because he lives. That's why we celebrate this day. That's why Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, whatever you choose to call it, that's why it's such a thrill for me to come and be a part of a service like this is because I know that the only one who ever got up out of the grave, got up out of the grave as an example, that he went and died and was buried and was resurrected so that I could go and be buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins in the baptism of the name of Jesus. But I don't have to stay dead. I'm just dying out to the old man, the old me, the old lust of the flesh, the old lifestyle that I couldn't contain or bring any happiness that would last very long at all. He resurrected so that you could resurrect. 
You don't have to live the same old sinful lifestyle. There's not a chain that hell has put on you that Jesus doesn't have the lock to. There's not a chain that hell has has encumbered you with that God can't break off of you. There's freedom in this place. It's not rooted in the lust of the sins and flesh of this world, but it's rooted in the power of his spirit. Our music come today. Paul said it very quickly. He talks about grace. I'm thankful that we live in the dispensation of grace. It started when Jesus was resurrected on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 and 38. Uh, it was a new dispensation. It's New Testament, new covenant, new agreement. That all means the same thing. New Testament just means the new salvation agreement, new agreement between God and man. Acts 2.38 they're talking, they're starting something there, and, and we are still living in the dispensation of grace. Do you know what would happen if you were caught doing something sinful back in Old Testament days? Judgment fell very rapidly, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Brother Carl scared, scared me a while ago. He, he was talking, we were talking a little bit before service, and he said, he said, I, I, I used to pull my kids' teeth. He said, I love pulling teeth. I said, man, dude, you're scaring me now. <laughs> I think I saw him eyeballing this one right back here on me. Paul looked and he said, God has mercy that is everlasting. He has grace that is sufficient. We're living in a day and an hour of grace right now. We're still there. And so a lot of people look at grace as kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Some people will use grace like I can do whatever I want and I'm covered. I don't think if anybody really thinks about that seriously, that even makes sense in anybody's mind. If you really think about that. What it does mean is that if you make a mistake and you honestly and openly go to the Lord and repent and say, God, I'm sorry, and I, I don't plan on ever doing that again. Now, there are times when you may have to answer for your sins according to man's law, society's law, but you don't have to worry about if Jesus Christ is going to hold it against you or not. said, my grace is sufficient for you. So Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I've explained it to many people this way before. Back here in our church, there is a medicine cabinet. It has Band-Aids and it has probably some antibiotics in it and some smelling salts and it has some bandages and probably even a tourniquet or two should there be an extreme case. And not one single time in 16, 17 years that we've pastored here have I ever seen anybody walk in and say, oh, a medicine cabinet, pull out their pocket knife and slice their arm open with it. Why did you do that? Oh, well, you got a medicine case here, so I just thought I'd use it. That's only for emergencies. You don't injure yourself just because there's something there that can help stop the bleeding, right? Is this making sense to anybody this morning? 
that hangs on the wall hoping, we hope that we never have to open it up. We hope that we never have to use it. And that's how grace works. We don't just sin because grace is there, but grace is there if we do happen to sin. Paul said, God forbid. We don't just sin just because we have grace. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now he's talking to people that are alive. People that have been given, given and related to the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just by repentance, not just by being baptized in Jesus' name, but they've been resurrected to a new life. What does resurrection even mean? It means something that was dead has now come back to life, right? Somebody's flatlined, what do they do? Still flatlining, they hit them again. Still flatlining, they hit them again. All of a sudden, what did they do? My grandfather was gone for, I don't know how, how long, I think it was close to 30 some odd seconds he was gone. All of a sudden, they were able to resuscitate him, revive him, resurrect him. And the story that he came back with, what he saw, has inspired me to this day to want to see heaven one day. His vision was an incredible thing. He, he said, all of a sudden, he said, I was on the most beautiful hill overlooking a, a city. There was a large gate down at the bottom. He said, the grass was greener than any grass I'd ever seen in my life. And he said, there stood beside me angelic beings. And he said, one by one, they came down and they formed a line and we began to walk down to the gate. We got down to the gate. He said, the gate cracked open. He said, I couldn't really see what was on the inside. I think I know why. But he said, one by one, the angels began to walk through the gate until it got to the one that was right before him, and the one right before him stopped, turned around, and looked at my grandfather, and he said, no, not yet. I'm to stay with you. And the next thing you know, he's hearing voices and beeping noises. I guarantee you I know why he was not able to see inside the gate is because he would have never, never allowed them to bring him back. He said it was such a place of peace. Occasionally we can take a drive, and my wife and I, we like to just drive out and sit maybe out here at the lake south of town. Maybe we'll grab Dairy Queen or take our books. A lot of times I'll take a fishing pole down there and Try to sneak in an illegal cast or two, you know, or somebody comes out and catch me. No, sir, I do not have my fishing license. But I'm going to get them. But I love to go down there in the evening. Sun's going down. I've got a picture of me one day. It was on a Saturday evening. 
My wife was gone someplace, so I grabbed the fishing pole and went down to the lake, and I just kicked back and kind of got tired of got tired of fishing. I wasn't catching much. I just laid back and watched the sun begin to set over the treetops and the reflection on the lake, and I thought, does it get any better than this? The waters were still, and there was just a very slight breeze. It wasn't even rustling the leaves, but it was enough coming off that water just to cool me down. I laid back and crossed my legs. I had my fishing pole with my lure dangling down, and I just snapped a picture. But the picture, I could show you the picture, but it's not like actually being there. I'm trying to paint a picture today, what God has prepared, and he's prepared it by way of the gospel message. And the gospel message was made available by what he did for us on Calvary. Would you stand with me today? I asked myself the question, can it get any better than this? And then it dawned on me, one day it will be. One day it will be better than this. Because I had to get up from that and go back to my life. I have a good life. I complain about my life. But you and I both know that even the best of us have troubles. Even the, even the richest amongst us have problems, stresses, sick, illnesses, whatever. We, we deal with this, this stuff. We're living in this broken world. So I'm po- trying to paint us a picture today of a world where nothing is broken. It's a true, real place that is being prepared for those who love him. So today, if you would bow your heads and just close your eyes, I just just want you to know the answer is not in the things of this world. If you're looking for a change that will last, if you're looking for something that brings life, you've got to look in the right places. You can't go looking for life in a world that is dying, in a world that is finite. Where are you seeking your answers? To whom are you going with your troubles and your problems? Old bottle might deaden them for a few hours. A needle might bring some euphoria but it's got its drawbacks. There's a price that has to be paid for those things. A pill might deaden the pain. Maybe you just like a good shopping trip. A little retail therapy. But I think we all know that those things are just short-lived, and the reason is because we're looking for something that is alive in a place that only serves death. I wonder today, I'm not looking, I don't want anybody else looking around right now, but I wonder today, this is just between you and the Lord. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. I don't want anybody looking around. If you want, if you want a change in your life, would you just, would you just lift a hand, lift a hand in the air, if you're uncomfortable to do that, just, just lift a finger. Just some indicate, just nod your head to the Lord in agreement. God, 
I don't maybe always know where to start, but I do know that something that has been said today has resonated in a place down deep inside my spirit where nothing has ever touched before. You know, the beautiful thing about God is he does not expect you to change overnight. He's not so worried about how fast you change or what you may know about him. He's just concerned with what direction you take. I believe that that's why the very first thing that we have to do is just repent. And repent simply means an about face, to turn from the way that you were going and to go in the opposite direction. If you found that the direction that you've been going over the past several years has not took you to the place that you expected it to take you, you listen to this preacher because I love you. What's more, the Lord loved you. I'm just conveying a message of the one who gave his life for you. I want you to know that he cares enough about you to help you if you want to change direction. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, unto your children, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Do you hear him calling your name today? Maybe it's an unfamiliar voice, but somehow, someway, it's a voice that carries with it a calming effect. I believe that the Lord is whispering into some hearts today that have found that what you thought would fix your broken heart, what you thought would mend your mind and your fractured spirit, what you've been trying to do is nothing more than putting a temporary Band-Aid on something that needs a permanent solution. God can give you what you need today. I wonder if today if we could just raise our hands to the Lord. If there's anybody that would like to make their way down to this altar today, I, I'm not going to belabor this service. I know a lot of people have family plans and you've got things on the agenda for today, but I wonder if we could just take a few moments. And if you'd be willing to just gather in, if you're uncomfortable with that, please don't feel pressured at all. But if you're comfortable, would you just gather in as the church body begins to to gather in, or maybe you just want to stay right there. If you'd like somebody to just pray with you, and they're not going to slap hands all over your forehead and shake you all over the place, they'll just gently put a hand on your shoulder. They might not even touch you at all, but they might just gather around behind you and just pray that God would touch you and God would lead you and God would bring you to a place where you can find a permanent peace in Him, where He can begin to direct you. Amen. I'm not here to to rock your world. I'm simply here today to try to set you on a different a different direction. To change the direction of your journey. Maybe you're happy with where you're at. Maybe it's not your time to make a decision today. Maybe you choose not to. But don't you forget this message. Don't you forget where it came from and don't you forget what you felt in that service today. Don't you forget how it felt when those around you were singing the songs and worshiping the king. Don't you forget.
because that memory will draw you back into a place where God can receive you. Can we lift our voices right now and just pray? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.